morning, City Church. This is City Church Together for February 24th, Wednesday, 2021. 2021. Uh, today, we are going to do a Hear Journal from our daily reading today uh, for City Church and our City Church app, which is Luke 11. Verses got a lot of verses today. Luke 11, verses 29 through 54. So we're going to take the flyover here, read the scripture, and then try to put a, a sort of. Uh, there's lots of smaller ideas included in this. We're going to try to put a meta idea over all of this that helps to um, uh, helps us to glean from uh, what's being said here. These are. Um, this is from the Gospel of Luke. The sign of Jonah is uh, the section we start with, verse 29. As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, This generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching and look, something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. As he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and he reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. Fools! Didn't he who made the outside make the inside too? But give from what is within to the poor, and then everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees. You give a tenth of mint, rue, and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees. You love the front seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, you who are like unmarked graves. The people who walk over them don't know it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. Then he said, You want a piece of this? Woe also to you experts in the law. You load people with burdens that are hard to carry, and you yourselves don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you. You build tombs for the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Therefore, you are witnesses that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their monuments. But because of this... Wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Woe to you experts in the law. You have taken away the key to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves and you hindered those who were trying to go in. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and to cross-examine him 
about many things. They were lying in wait for him to trap him in something, he said. And that is the word of the Lord from Luke 11. Um, You know, we have been um, at City Church in the book of Joshua, which has just had, um, you know, we've talked about the Canaanite conquest, and then, um, uh, you know, I did a whole sermon on understanding the Canaanite conquest just because it's it's it it sounds and feels so brutal and cold and uh and then this last week um we talked about the um the stoning of Achan uh when he uh hid the devoted things of the Lord and where Israel ended up stoning him and his family and his livestock and it it has just felt very brutal um and violent and often we get this picture of the New Testament God who is not very brutal, uh, very kind, and turn your cheek. And then then um, this Old Testament God who is kind of the picture we put together. Um, I hope you noticed, though, in the verses that you read today in Scripture from Luke 11, that um, <laughs> Jesus is pretty brutal here. Um, I mean, I love, you know, I, I <coughs> excuse me, added my own commentary um, when when you hit verse um, 45, you know, Jesus is going on this tear. He first addresses them about repentance and how much worse it's going to be for them. You know, he talks about, hey, hey, Nineveh, yeah, they were they were awful people, but at least they repented when even a prophet like Jonah who was this reluctant sort of racist, you know, nationalistic prophet goes in and he was anything but holy and he goes in and Nineveh repents. It's like, you know, even the queen of the south, queen of Ethiopia who went to see Solomon, even in 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 Solomon who, you know, had this meteoric rise and fall with both with God giving him wisdom and then with him running after um, other wives. Um, you you had even the queen of the south through Solomon who could recognize who God is and how he works and moves and his character through Solomon. And now Jesus is standing in front of them saying, and here I am, here I am, um, the, you know, as the writer of Hebrews puts it, you know, the radiance of the glory of God. Um, here I am, God in flesh. Here I am, the, the, um, the embodiment of, of all that the prophets preached about. Here I am, God in the flesh, and you won't repent. That's how this starts out. So very harsh. Um, and then he, he, he sort of starts railing. Um, maybe that's not a fair word, but definitely in, in a harsh way. We have this discussion about the lamp of the body, and um, I, uh, basically the idea there is inside you, you are dark. And you think you're producing something good with your rituals and such, but you're not because inside you are dark. And, you know, he goes to this Pharisee's house and he's supposed to he doesn't wash his hands uh, ritually before the meal and he gets called to the mat on it. And Jesus just lights up in verse 40 fools. And, and then he goes on to say, you're doing all of these exterior ritualistic things in worship of God, which, by the way, the Old Testament has a ton to say of that, where God says, I have grown weary of all of the rituals you're performing, the, the cattle that you're slaughtering. Those, none, none of your worship, um, none of your worship is inviting me in. Um, in fact, your worship is, 
is Yahweh says your worship is despicable to me because it doesn't represent my character. It doesn't represent a heart of love and devotion only of exterior. And so, of course, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ comes in. He says the same thing to the Pharisees. Verse 42, you bypass justice about tithing even your herbs and spices. You know, it's like you do one grind of the pepper and then you do a tenth of a grind of the pepper to give to God. I mean, that's that's kind of what's going on. And you expect God to say, thank you, pepper boy. That's the perfect amount of pepper. Verse 43, you love, and he talks about, you're, you're all about the exterior. You're all about getting a reward immediately. You love and celebrate getting the front seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace, you know, Hey, um, you know, I love what you've done with your beard. You know, you love that. But Jesus says you don't care anything about God or his justice. And then in verse 44, he gives kind of this final insult before this fulcrum that switches to a new or a different sort of rebuke. He says, woe to you, you like unmarked graves. The people who walk over them don't know it. Okay, why is that a big deal? Well, if a grave is unmarked, then a person would have contact with uh, um, essentially a dead body without knowing it. And so you would have a lot of people walking around ceremonially unclean as they walked over graves that weren't marked. So the point is that graves need to be marked so people can carry on and be ceremonially clean and have closeness to God um, through through temple worship. That's sort of the context that he's speaking into. But he says the Pharisees are like unmarked graves because of all these things they're doing for only external praise. They don't have a heart of love and justice. They're not with the heartbeat of God. They refuse to repent, even though the God of the universe is standing in the flesh in front of them and telling them what their problem is. They refuse to repent. And so now... On that, they, what he's saying is you are like unmarked graves because you are leading other people to do the same things they are doing. You are making other people unclean because you are saying this is a picture of what it looks like to be close to God. And Jesus comes in saying none of what you're doing is a picture of what it looks like to be close to God. You are, as he says in another part of Scripture, you are making twice the sons of hell. You do not have the proper, you're not evangelizing the good news of the kingdom. Rather, you are sort of, evangelizing the bad news of hell, to put it in in those terms. And then I love what happens in verse 45. <laughs> Somebody tries to bring the rabbi to his senses. One of the experts in the law answered him. You know, it, it's like, surely this guy cannot be this mean. You know, sure, he must not, he's kind of figuring, he must not know that when he condemns these other guys, he's condemning us too. He says, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And Jesus says, well, there's more where that came from. You know, it's just not what we typically expect Jesus to say. And so he goes in on the experts in the law, and he talks about now they're not, they're, they're not living this exterior righteousness so much as they are, loading up, they are loading up burdens that they are not doing themselves. So they're telling people, okay, you must do this, 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 and this for God to love you. You must do this, 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 and this to be accepted by God. And he's saying, you guys don't even do that stuff yourself. And then he goes back to the, the, um, the tomb language, except he, he appropriates it to prophets. And what Jesus says in verse 47 and following is, you are, um, uh, you are okay with these prophets. You build these monuments and you'll say, what a great guy that old prophet was from Abel to Zechariah, from A to Z, you know, 
from that's what Jesus is, is doing. He's like encompassing any prophet. He's saying, you guys, as long as these prophets are old and dead and gone, you will venerate them. But the problem is you're just like your fathers, and what your fathers did was killed them. In other words, these prophets to you are now safe. We can venerate them now because they can no longer speak. They no longer have a voice. They can no longer convict us. So, yeah, great. Oh, boy, we love Zechariah. Wasn't Zechariah great? But he, what, he, what Jesus is saying is if Zechariah was alive right now, you'd be trying to kill him because you absolutely cannot hear about your own sin and repent of it. And now Jesus is saying, I, the ultimate prophet, am here. And you refuse to repent. And after all of this harshness on Jesus' part, the whole thing ends up In verse 53, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and cross-examine him about many things. They were lying in wait to trap him in something he said. You know what this reminds me of? This, it's a very sad closing to chapter 11. It reminds me of, um, I I suppose it's a newly coined phrase, whataboutism. Whataboutism. When we hear of something wrong that happened, often we like to point out, well, what about that? Well, what about that? Well, what about that other thing that happened? Um, and it's often, it, it, it's often related to things that happen with our team. I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, um, is politics, because that's just so in front of our face all the time. You know, well, your guy said that, or my guy said that, sure, but what about what your guy said? Um, you know, what about what Joe Biden's going to do? What about what Donald Trump did? It's, it's just instead of looking at what the actual issue is or what the actual sin is in our life, we like to point and say, well, what about that over there? And then we start with the sort of gathering of evidence and trial and conviction about how somebody else is worse than we are. And that's what they do with Jesus here. It's what aboutism. Oh, okay, well, what about when he didn't wash his hands? This guy can't possibly be who we think he is. He's, I mean, you name the things that got tagged on Jesus. Oh, he's a carpenter from Jerusalem. Isn't this Joseph's son? Oh, well, the, nobody who's the son of God would ever do that. You know, oh, he blasphemes. He can't be who he says he is. Um, oh, he eats with gluttons and prostitutes. He can't possibly be who he says he is. And so instead of like Nineveh repenting, when the harshness of their sin is exposed to them by God himself, Jesus, God in the flesh, instead of repenting like Nineveh, instead of confessing the beauty of God like the queen of the south, is that this queen of Ethiopia, not Dolly Parton, in case you're wondering, like it, it, instead of repenting, they harden their heart, they move to whataboutism, and they start pointing their fingers, they start pointing their fingers outward. I'm really into points not right now but not that not not your conventional points if you if you know if you know the deep internet video that that's associated with i hope you can appreciate that you should just google it i'm really into points not right now just google that and enjoy and enjoy um people ask me what it's going to be like when hip-hop goes out well hip-hop is a mindset it's never going to go out 
Okay. <laughs> if anything, thank you for being a faithful listener. I've just given you that gift. Um, but here, here is the no pun intended point. Um, the, the sort of macro point of all of this. What Jesus does with the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law here, we would, we would read it as harsh, and he's being harsh. I mean, woe to you. That's like um, trouble coming. Doesn't, it doesn't get worse than the woes. This seems very harsh, and yet it is God's grace. It's God's grace. You, do you know why it's God's grace? Because these men deserve to be left. They, they, they blasphemed against God with their life. They deserve to be left alone. They deserve to Jesus. They, they deserve for Jesus to God himself to just give a polite nod, walk right by and say, carry on. But Jesus himself comes in with these harsh words in hope that it will bring repentance and hope that it will bring repentance. It does not. It brings a hardening and is in this weird way, the way that Jesus is killed. And when Jesus is killed, he's not actually killed. He's offering himself up for the forgiveness of many, for the ransom of many. But back to the first of this section back to the first of this section which is about repentance repentance the people of Nineveh who were a pagan far removed from God as far removed from God as you can possibly be doing despicable things the sorts of the sorts of ideas and things that we find in the Canaanites are are happening in in Nineveh if you were tracking with us through through Joshua and the Ninevites heard Jonah preach you know in the text it's just like a two-sentence sermon repent and they put on sackcloth no whataboutism no outward pointing here the people of God the chosen people of the chosen people of God Israel God in the flesh shows up on their doorstep and says here is your sin that you should repent from and they harden their hearts and aim to what about God to point their finger back at God and say, you are the unclean one. City Church, may we be a people who are not about pointing fingers. Let's not, let's not be into points right now. Let's not really be into points right now. Like, let's keep the points in our sermons, amen? Let's, let's not be about whataboutism. Let's not be about pointing outward when, when our sin is pointed out. Because I do not want Jesus to say about us that the sign of Jonah, where the Ninevites repented at a preaching of a two-sentence sermon, that, that it would be said of us that they, they make us look like fools. Because when we open up the scripture and we receive the word, when our brothers and sisters who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit come to us and point out sin in our lives, that we quickly get defensive, point about and talk about who's worse or whose fault it is. Let's receive even the harsh word and repent and walk closely with Jesus. It's so much better. So let's be silent now and pray in that direction for ourselves, for our church, so that we would become a light. 
as Jesus talks about in this passage to our community. Our Father, harshness, um, even, even from a gentle person with a gentle spirit, when the word that comes from their mouth is something about our sin, there is a reflex to defend, 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 deflect, 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 point outward. What about this person? What about that person? Isn't so this is it here's the blame this is why i did this sometimes god i know <laughs> sometimes i know we can even desire punishment just to keep from repentance okay do the bad thing to me punish me tell me what i tell me what i have to do can, can we just get through this just ground me send me to my room anything other than naming our sin and saying i did this will you forgive me that's not the people we want to be, Heavenly Father. We want to be people who are unafraid of our sin. Yes, we sin, but we are not afraid of it because you have paid the price for it. We are not condemned. Help us to live into our identity as sons and daughters, as light bearers. And God, may it be said about us that because the light in us is bright, it shines out of us in our actions, not our actions betray our empty, dark insides. I'm so thankful for your grace and your patience with us. When you need to speak harshly with us, Jesus, please do it. And we will trust, we will trust that you are leading us into life and that you will be gentle with us even when you have to be harsh. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, amen. City Church, go and multiply the gospel always ready for your own repentance.